0: Welcome back to In His Service Together Radio in association with the Evangelical Church Alliance International. I'm your host, Elman Krupnik. Well, good morning. It is good to have you all here in the chapel and also those that are watching on our closed circuit television here at the, at the medical center. So it's good to have you all here this morning. Please join me as we sing the doxology together, which is found in the red hymnal number 549, the doxology. Number six hundred and thirty eight I earnestly confess the Lord, I will tell all your wondrous deeds. I will celebrate you and rejoice. I will sing to your name, O highest. When my enemies turn away, they staggered and perished before you. You upheld my cause and my case. You sat on your throne, judging with justice. May the Lord be the refuge of the poor a refuge for times of oppression. May those who know your name trust you, for you never forsake those who seek you. The nations seek in the, excuse me, in the pit they have dug. Their own feet are caught in the net they have hid. It is known that the Lord works justice. By the deeds of their own hands the wicked are caught. The wicked return to deathland. All nations forgetful of God. The poor are not always forgotten. The hope of the lowly does not always perish. Arise, O Lord, let man not prevail. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Decree, O Lord, a terror upon them, that the nations may know they are men. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 458, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. Hymn number 458, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. Gracious God, Lord, you remind us in your word that any time we enter your presence to pray, that we need to have an open heart and an open mind and an open spirit. And Lord, we do so with the spirit of thanksgiving. Because God, we right now, together, just want to thank you for the many things that you have already done in our lives. And God, we do not take for granted what you have done for us in the past to bring us here today to worship you. And God, we praise you for that. And we just want to say thank you for the times that you've answered your prayers and our prayers in our lives together according to your will for each and every one of us. Because, God, we know that your Son, Jesus Christ, intercedes for us on our behalf. And, Lord, we ask for that intercession. You know of the challenges that we are facing, the things that we are trying to work through and overcome in our lives. And, Lord, we lay all of those things before you. But, God, help us to understand when we call to you in prayer and we share with you our feelings and our emotions and the things that trouble us, to be open to your will and not our desire and not our will because God we know that your will is the blessed plan that we can have for our lives remind us of that and we submit in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to that will Lord we think of the needs of others fellow patients here throughout this medical center the staff that is working here today the family that will be visiting Lord we think of family and friends that are in different places or in this country and around the world, and, Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer in the same way. We intercede on their behalf, God, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And, God, we lay those needs and requests before you. We would ask that you would be with them, that you would comfort them, and that they, too, would be seeking your will for their lives because it is the best plan that they can have. God, we do not take for granted this opportunity that we have to worship you And God, once again, we just say thank you for that. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 445, More About Jesus I Would Know. Hymn number 445, More About Jesus I Would Know.
1: more, more about Jesus, more. More, more about Jesus More, more about Jesus More of His saving fullness More of His love that died for me More about Jesus in His Word Holding communion with my Lord Hearing His voice in every line Making each faith Saying mine. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of His saving the see, more of His love who died for me. More about Jesus on His throne, riches and glory all His own.
0: this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning with verse 3. The poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. The gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Amen. Let us pray. God, we are so thankful. God, for this wonderful time that we can have to worship you. Lord, we are thankful for the prayers that we have offered together, for the hymns that we have sung together, for the scriptures that we have read together. Lord, I would ask that you would just continue to bless this act of worship that we have together now. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, when I woke up this morning thinking about what I was going to be preaching about, giving the sermon about, I was pretty motivated. In fact, as we go through, not the preliminaries, because it is an act of worship, when we do the doxology and we have the call to worship and we sing hymns together when we offer prayers together, but I wanted to get to the sermon. (laughs) I wanted to preach to all of us, including me, So this week what I've learned is I was attending an event for my denomination and our president and CEO of our denomination got up and he was making some remarks about the denomination and so forth and so on. And he made this statement and I actually wrote it down because every once in a while I attend certain events and I'm like, hey, that's pretty good, I'm going to use that. And he made this statement that it does not take any faith to drive a parked car. So think about that for a minute. It does not take any faith to drive a parked car. Now, does everybody here understand what he means by that? That it does not take any faith to drive a parked car. So can you visualize that for me? So when you get into a parked car and you don't go anywhere, does it take you any faith does it take any faith for you to drive a parked car? And does a parked car, if you sit in it, and if you don't drive it anywhere, does it take you anywhere? It makes sense? Okay. So it does not take any faith to drive a parked car. And I thought about that, and I wrote it down in my little note thing on my phone. I'm like, that's pretty good. I like that. And so this morning, I want to ask you and me What are the driving lessons that God gives us so we can take our parked car of faith, put it in gear, put it on the road, and put it in the right direction? I don't know how you got your driver's license, but my dad paid for driving school, and so this car would come and pick us up in front of the house, and I would go out and drive with this person and hopefully learn how to drive and then I got my temporary permit and then I was driving with my dad and that was always fun because dad always had his right hand right on the door handle because he was ready to get out of the car as soon as he possibly could anytime I was driving. Because you see, we had a station wagon, and if you remember those old station wagons, right, I'm talking about the ones with the plastic wood grain on the side of the car, you remember those kind of station wagons that were very long and they could seat just about everything, people, junk, whatever you wanted. So we had an old station wagon and I would drive that station wagon, that was my car. And my dad was always terrified when I was trying to parallel park the station wagon. You can just envision that. In fact, one time that I was doing that, he literally got out of the car because he was just so uptight. And I parked it perfectly, and my wife can testify that I'm the best parallel parker there is in the world. At least she thinks I. Am. But this morning I want to ask you in terms of your faith, in terms of my faith, that God wants us to exercise it. Because we go nowhere unless We put our faith and trust in God. So what are the lessons that God has given us to drive that car of faith, to put it in gear, to put it in the right direction, to put it down the road according to his will and purpose? Well, the entire Bible gives us direction. But this morning, as we just read some of the Beatitudes of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, there are some specific directions that God does give us. When we put it in gear, we back out or we go forward out of our parking place and we turn on the street or highway, whatever we are on, and we point it in the direction. And by an act of faith, we hope and pray that we're driving it correctly. But of course, we know that. We know that we're driving a physical car correctly because of our driving because of our history, how many years we've been driving, how we've learned how to drive, the types of vehicles that we have driven through the years, and I've driven many things from armored vehicles to deuce and a halfs and all those kind of things, so I'm pretty confident when I get behind the wheel. But I need to ask myself, and I ask you the question, how comfortable and confident are you when you drive the car of faith that God wants us to have? This past couple of weeks, I've been taking different steps out in faith in different areas of my life that I've never ventured out to, if you will. Things that God said, you know, I want you to consider this, and I want you to consider that. And I've done those things in faith, believing that God would provide the direction and the opportunities that I needed to have. In fact, one specific situation, I felt confident that that's where God was leading me. That's where God wanted me to go. That's the direction that my car of faith was going in. But God's will for me, and I think for my wife and a lot of other people that are involved in my life, the other side, the direction, the destination that I believed God was heading me towards, they said, no, we are not interested in you We're going in a different direction. They actually used that term when I got the email saying that, thank you for your consideration for us and blah, 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 but you know, we're heading in a different direction. Now, I want to make the assumption that they, too, are driving their car of faith, and for whatever reason, God has led them in a different direction than in the direction that I was headed. I'm still trying to understand that. That makes sense. You feel in your heart that God specifically wants you to do something. You're convinced of the fact, you believe in all your heart that the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this. You put forward at an act of faith. You step out and you say, God, I'm going to do this. And then you find as you're going down that road that the destination where you believe God is taking you, they put up a roadblock. They say the bridge is out. You need to take a different path because we believe that we're going in a different direction. I don't know how you would respond to that, but that hurt me because I was convinced that that's what God wants me to do. Does that make sense? When people don't reciprocate the same calling or the same leading in the Holy Spirit that you believe that you are having. And admit, and I have to admit this, that... When I got the notification that they were going in a different direction and they were no longer interested in me, there was some confusion and some doubt on my part. Because I believed that I had taken an active action of faith for God's will for my life. And so the doubts happen. Anybody else have that happen? You know, you take a step out in faith and it doesn't work out the way that you think it should and the way that you want it to, and then all of a sudden you take a step back and say, God, I'm I'm really doubting all of this stuff because I did what you wanted me to do. I feel utterly convinced, but yet I don't see the reciprocation on the other side, that they too are receiving the same message. So I asked a friend of mine that posing question and his response to me was maybe they are not I never thought about that. Does that make sense? So maybe you're doing all the right things but they're not listening to God, they're not responding to the direction that God wants them to do, they're taking a different direction because of their own pride, their own understanding of the circumstances and maybe they are not responding to God's will for them That's a good response. So I want you to consider that. When you come into situations where you feel convinced that God wants you to do something and you take the action and the steps to do that thing and it doesn't work out the way that you were convinced that it should have worked out, consider the fact that you were doing what God wanted you to do and maybe the other side of that direction because it usually takes... Two sides, right, in agreement for God's will to take place in your life. Maybe perhaps they were not following God's will for their lives or for that situation. So the bottom line is this, as we still need to drive our car with faith the way God wants us to drive it. Regardless, regardless, of what the destination is going to be for us. And the Beatitudes gives us some of that direction, that we are to be poor in spirit. In other words, we are to be open to the things of God, that we are to open our spirit to God about all things, about all things. That we need to come before God in all openness, to be open to God. Because when we are open to God, and you see the rest of the scripture in terms of that, that the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So when we are open to the things of God and spirit, that we are blessed, and the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The kingdom of heaven is yours. The kingdom of heaven is mine because we are wanting to follow the direction that God has given us in spirit and in truth. And we know that we can't follow that direction unless we are truly poor, meaning open in spirit to the things of God. But then we see uh, the other scripture that said, those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. So perhaps the analogy that I gave you this morning about wanting to pursue the things of God and being open to the things of God, and that the other side or the other destination, if you will, are not open to the things of God, are not open to the Spirit of God, that you and I are going to be hurt. That we are going to experience loss when we follow the things of God. When we are open to God in spirit, that there are going to be times that we're going to have that sense of loss, that we are going to mourn. We are going to have grief. And it's important to recognize, I think, that when we experience loss in our lives, that we need to be open to God, to be open about our loss, and to allow the Spirit of God to comfort us. And that is difficult to do. But that is a driving lesson of faith that God wants us to have. Because unless we acknowledge the loss that we've had, unless we go through that mourning, that grieving process, what happens? We become angry. We become depressed. We look at different ways to handle those feelings because we do not want to acknowledge the hurt and the loss. And we find unhelpful, unhealthy ways of dealing with that grief and dealing with that loss. And it leads us in the wrong direction. It leads us in a direction in which we don't practice the faith that God wants us to have. And it takes us nowhere. But the scriptures tell us that we are to mourn because God wants to comfort us. So the example that I've given you this morning about my own personal life is I need to cry out to God and say, God, it hurts as in the Psalms that we have read as our call to worship over the last few weeks God it hurts God I am grieving I don't understand those people hurt me by their answer God what am I to do God tells me I'm supposed to mourn that I'm supposed to identify with that loss I'm not supposed to take it out on anybody I'm not supposed to self-medicate. God wants me to acknowledge that loss and to acknowledge that hurt. To be comforted by the Spirit of God in our lives. Because then we walk away from that process being gentle, being compassionate, showing charity, being a nice person to be around. Because we see in that process the Spirit of God working in our lives. And when we follow that process, when we follow the driving lessons that God has given us, we have a spirit that is gentle, that is loving, that is caring. And the Scriptures tell us that we will inherit the earth. because we have a gentle spirit but yet there is a process in that so think about the process and where we have gone thus far we have been poor in spirit we have mourned we go through that process allowing God to work in our lives and then we see as we are comforted we come out with a gentle spirit a gentle understanding of the world around us not full of anger Not full of hatred, but one that is pleasing before God. Did you ever think about that? That having a gentle spirit, having one of compassion, one of charity, that you actually inherit the earth. Think about that for a minute. I am. That I inherit the earth when I have a gentle spirit and a gentle disposition with the people that I come in contact with. Not just the people who love me, but by the people who do not love me. And then we see as we go through the process that God sees us as we have that gentle spirit, that we have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to do the right thing. We don't want to do anything that brings shame before God. And we see that as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we will be filled. We will be filled. Is your glass half empty or is your glass half full? Right, You've heard that expression, is your glass half empty or is your glass half full? The scriptures tell us that if we hunger and thirst for doing the right thing, that we will be blessed If our desire is to do those things that honor God, that are holy. And then we see when we are filled that all of a sudden we have an attitude that allows us to be merciful, to show mercy to others, to show understanding to others. And we will be blessed more because of that, because we show mercy to each other. We give each other a break. And within that process, I would say to you that you need to give yourself a break because God has shown mercy to you. You need to show mercy to yourself. And in that process, you'll be able to show mercy to others. And you'll be blessed because of that. The car of faith that you are driving will be one in which others will want to get in the car with you because you are following God's directions. You are following the lessons that he has given you. And then you'll see that as you show that mercy, that the next thing that begins to happen is you have a pure heart. And in that pure heart, you and I see God in a different way than we ever thought or imagined that we see in all openness the pure in heart that God wants us to have. And we see that peace that transforms our life because our desire is to want to see God in every aspect of our lives. And then the next thing that takes place, and God gives us the lesson that as we have that pure, pure in heart, and we have that peace that we become the peacemakers that God wants us to be. The peacemakers that God wants us to be. And we bless other people because we want to be peacemakers. The scriptures tell us that we'll be called the sons of God because of that. Do you see that process here? That Christ is showing us and it begins by having that pour in spirit. It identifies with the fact that we mourn when we experience loss, when we're doing the things that God wants us to do. And because we go through that process of allowing God to comfort us, that we have that gentle spirit that gives us that desire to want more righteousness in our lives. And then we see through that righteousness that we become merciful to ourselves and to others, and then we see that pure in heart, in a way that we never thought we could see God before, because of what is taking place in our lives, and we become the peacemakers that God wants us to be. And then we are reminded that when all these things have take, taken place, that there are times that you're going to be persecuted because you are following God's driving instructions and direction. As you're taking that car of faith out of that parking spot, you're putting it on the road according to God's will and purpose, and you're doing all the things that God has asked you to do, and you are being blessed because of all those things that you are doing, as God showed and demonstrated that through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then we see... That there are going to be times that we are going to be persecuted because we are driving that car of faith that God wants us to be in. And that we are to expect that. But the blessing in that is that you and I will understand and see that the kingdom of heaven is ours. Not because of anything that we have done, but just because of our willingness to be open to the things of the Spirit. And we allow the blessings of God to take place in our lives. We put down all of those walls. We become open to the things of God. And then we see ourselves growing and maturing in a way that we never thought that we could before because we are following and acting upon the faith that God wants us to have in our lives. And then we see the kingdom of heaven that God wants us to partake of. The kingdom of heaven here in the present, the kingdom of heaven that is yet to come. And to follow that process of following the faith each day. As we enter into the presence of God with prayer and thanksgiving, we pray without ceasing because we never want to get out of that car of faith that God has put us in. We never want to forget the driving lessons that God has given us in terms of how to act, how to behave, how to find God to see God, to experience God, to be with God. And in doing so, we see the value of who we are as being followers of Jesus Christ. We see the purpose of who you are, of who I am in the eyes of God. And then we see God's will for our lives the way that he wants it for our lives. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you for the direction that you've put me on. Thank you when the answers are yes. Thank you when the answers are no, because God, it doesn't mean any difference to me, because I know that I am acting in faith the way that you have asked me to act. And then we can just have that peace that we talk about every time we close our service, the peace that is beyond our own understanding. So it is my hope and prayer that you will look at the Beatitudes here, that you would see them for direction and guidance as you get into the car of faith, as you put it in gear, as you take it out of the parking spot, as you put it on the road to allow God to give you the direction and the lessons that he wants you to learn. But we can't do that unless we allow him to work in our lives. Allow him to be that faith in us that we need to have. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts and what a wonderful commitment it is that we make every time we publicly open up our hearts to communion and partake of it together as one body of believers in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have given us wonderful opportunity to see how you want us to drive our car of faith in you, to see the lessons that you've given us, the skills and the abilities that come through your presence in our lives, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we praise you for that. And God, forgive us when he had not allowed the blessings that you want to give us. You've given us that direction. You've given us the lessons. But God, we have just been too closed to allow those blessings to take place, God. Forgive us for not being open in spirit and truth the way that you want us to be in all things. Thank you, God, for this time of communion that we can take together. In Christ's name, amen. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us predict together. Our closing hymn is number 457. My Hope is Built on Nothing Less.
1: My hope is built on nothing less And Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust
0: get in that car called faith, right? We're going to put it in gear and we're going to go in the direction that God wants us to go in, right? Amen? Alright. Let us pray. Our gracious God, thank you for showing us today the faith that you want us to have in all things. Give us the openness of spirit to get in the car to do what you want us to do. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for
1: coming. With Lucky Lands Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky?